The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Welcome to the Transformation for Success show. I'm Dr. Barbara Young, your radio talk show host. You know, for many years, my passion has been to empower people with simple success principles to transform their lives. Each day, I am driven to make a difference in the lives of so many individuals, and I'm pleased each week to host successful men and women who share timeless principles that they have applied to their own lives that can help you dance with challenges and achieve that successful and joyful life you want as well. So I'm here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, you can download my shows from my website, www.transformationforsuccess.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can email me your questions or comments at info at transformationforsuccess.com. And I really appreciate your, your emails, your messages, so please keep them coming. You know, I want you to ask yourselves, do you require motivation to succeed daily? And which do you think is better, motivation or inspiration? Well, I have an opinion And I believe you need to motivate people, but motivation is not enough. It gets people temporarily excited, but for most people, it's inspiration that is most essential. And I know like most people, you want success and you want it now, but transformational change takes work. And sometimes people want to bypass the work, but there are things that you must do to get results. And it's empowering to learn from others who have achieved at the same level you desire. And you can learn transformation success more rapidly. So I am so excited today. I have a very wonderful, dynamic, and exciting guest today who's going to share with you her encouraging story, who has well over 30 years of experience in education and embraces a united effort of excellence on purpose. So she's well known as an inspirational advocate for all students. She's made a name for herself in the community for reaching out and embracing change for success, not only in her life, but in her career, in her community, in her district, and for student success. So today, I am delighted to have on my show Dr. Judy White, who is has a journey as an educator, and she's going to share today how she overcame many of the challenges that she faced and how her life was transformed. More importantly, we're going to learn from her today how her life has transformed the lives of so many others. And last, how you can be involved in making a difference in the lives of young people. So, Dr. Judy, welcome to the Transformation for Success show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you so much. I, I am so delighted because, you know, when we first met, uh, we just clicked. I mean, it was just, I mean, you were just so awesome. And I want to just share with the listeners, this woman is calm. She has a soft demeanor. But this woman is a worker bee, and she is successful. And I think you epitomize that you can have success, have a following of people, and make change without having to carry a big stick. (laughs) That's my style. (laughs) And take on this sort of male, sort of male role. You're very feminine, and I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Our show today is entitled A Woman's Journey and How It Led to Excess on Purpose. So I want you to tell your friends about the show and remember 
Uh, they can download it at any time for their listening pleasure. So, again, email your comments and feedback to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, to my guest, and I want to read this very impressive bio of my guest before I we get into discussion about her transformational journey. But today, she has served as a teacher assistant principal, special education director, assistant superintendent of educational services, and deputy superintendent of program improvement, and also an adjunct professor for one of the campuses. She sits on many boards, a recipient of numerous awards, too many for me to name on the show, including she received the 2014 Citizen of the Year Award for the Moreno Valley Chamber of Commerce in California. She is currently the popular superintendent for the Moreno Valley Unified School District in California with oversight responsibility for 3,400 employees and about 35,000 students. She is an inspirational advocate for all students and, again, has made a name for herself, as I said earlier, for reaching out to her community and embracing change, not for the bitter, but for the better, and began her journey from humble beginnings and truly Dr. Judy, you are a trailblazer in every aspect and as a leader with a remarkable journey of success. So I want to just get right in and say, you know, how did this all begin? Because your journey has been filled with a lot of obstacles and yet many successes. So share with us some of your personal journey and how you're able to overcome some of those obstacles. Thank you for the opportunity to share about my personal journey and also hopefully something I'm saying is going to encourage someone to believe in themselves and always to persevere. I was born in Los Angeles to teenage parents. My parents were 19 years old when they had me, and I was the second child, but they were married at an early age. Mm -hmm. But this was uh, quite a bit of challenge for them especially with me being a sickly child. And they didn't stay married very long, and by the time that I was in kindergarten at five, they had separated. Okay. But be- and so my, my mom became ill, and she was diagnosed with a mental disorder. So, But I found that when I was successful in school, that's when she could really uh, praise me. And so I got positive reinforcement about my success in school. And that mm-hmm. was the only place that she would let me go, she, only to school. She wouldn't let us go to visit people's houses and didn't take us uh, many places. And so that's how school became very positive for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, and that's wonderful. Yeah. Yes. But tell me, uh, what happened uh, that was a significant experience in your early life for you? Just believing, one of the earlier uh, transformational experiences that I had in life Mm -hmm. is during my, uh, I think it was my middle school years, I actually started going to church on my own. And so I began a faith journey. And then I believed that there was a higher being that was outside of me that Mm -hmm. would empower me as long as I had the faith to believe that. Additionally, that's when I started getting straight A's in school and teachers started taking notice and they invited me to look at college from a real perspective. They took us to a, a, a college one day on a visit and I distinctly remember Dick Gregory was the speaker. And he got up and he said and to the audience, he says, it may not be your fault for being down, but it will be your fault if you Did don't you get up. Oh, and even to this day, I was, about, you know, I was about to paraphrase that it will be your fault if you yeah. stay down. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said you don't get up. And that just resonated with me. Even as a 12 year old, I'm like, OK, I have to I can't blame my environment. I have to get up and do something with my life. So that was a significant experience that I had at that age. And as I began to find out, well, how can I get to college? Then I learned about scholarships. And how you had to actually be involved in activities. So I said, I'm going to run for ASB president when I became a a senior in high school. You actually run as a junior. And in those days, in the city that I grew up in, they had Mm -hmm. never had a female ASB president. And I asked, I remember asking, is it a law that we can't become president? They said, no, but you guys do better as secretaries. That's what I was told at the the time. And Mm -hmm. so I said, well, if there's no law, I'm going to try it. So I was the first female elected ASB president in the community that I grew up. And there were four comprehensive high schools, but they had never had a female ASB president. And so I coined this term, 
history maker and stereotype breaker, and I've carried it <laughs> along on my journey because we do and are able and capable of making history being mm-hmm. the first for something, but also to break the stereotypes, whether it's gender stereotypes or race stereotypes. That's right. You know, I was going to, and it's really interesting because one of the questions I was going to ask you, because you've become this phenomenal leader, and I was going to, you know, sort of say, uh, my question is, did you recognize at a very early age that you had leadership abilities? I mean, because you're growing up in this, this household, and then again, you somehow found yourself navigating your way to a church. And um, that's unusual for many young people because they don't usually navigate towards a faith-based organization. (laughs) Rather, they go usually the opposite direction. But when did you begin to realize that you had leadership qualities? I didn't realize right away. But Mm -hmm. I knew that for some reason when I had an idea, it was Mm -hmm. different and people liked to follow it. Uh, even when I became ASB president, I was active as a cheerleader at the same time. And then when they voted who would be the head cheerleader at in those days, the, the girls got to choose who was going to be. And when my name came up, I was in shock because I didn't see myself as a leader in that area. But they said to me, and I'll never forget it, we want you because you didn't expect us to choose you and because you were going to be a peace builder along the way. And I wasn't competing for that position, but I do. Okay, so Dr. Judy, you were talking about you didn't think you were a leader, but the young people, you had ideas, you had dreams, and along the way, what happened? People began to follow me. I ran on a campaign that we wouldn't have any riots. The school that I attended had had a race riot every year. And I said, if you elect me, we will not have a riot. Now, how I thought I could guarantee that, I don't know. <laughs> but as a, a youth, I just brought people together. We had potlucks, we had speakers, and we didn't have a riot. So I think once you accomplish a goal and you feel, uh, feel the success, then it's easier to try something new. Well, you know, Dr. Judy, I'm going to say something else, too, and it's scriptural. What you did is you confessed, you put the word out there, yes. if you elect me, I, we will not have race riots. And that's yes. exactly what happened because you put the word out there. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I tell you, I mean, I'm such a believer about the power of speaking and what you say is so important. Now, you were, were you in high school then or in college? I was in high school. Okay, so now we're going to get scholarships. We've got to see about getting you to college. So what happened? I did. Uh, I was able to earn a full-ride academic scholarship uh, combined. For, and I went to Occidental College for my undergraduate work. Mm-hmm. And I didn't listen to everything my mom said. And I ended up actually getting pregnant uh, while I was at college. But I knew I had earned those scholarships and I was going to stay and graduate on time mm-hmm. with my class. And I was able to do that. And I had the courage to do that. Yes. And especially in the 70s, uh, that Mm -hmm. was, I remember being called into the office, one of the offices, and they were saying, you know, things like this don't happen on our campus, and you probably need to go back home. And I said, is it possible to stay? Can anything be worked out? And what they did is they gave me my scholarship money to use uh, my room and board in an apartment. So I, instead of using the uh, room and board at the dorms, I was mm-hmm. able to take that same amount, and I paid up for the whole semester, just like they would give me the allocation. I paid my rent up for the whole semester. Mm-hmm. So it takes planning. It takes perseverance. But uh, I ended up getting married after I graduated from college. Well, that is quite a story. You know what? Uh, I have to admire you for that because, you know, nowadays we're dealing with and grappling with a lot of teen pregnancies. And so, yeah. and I was, I, I was started thinking about that. I was like, wow, teen pregnancies. But the fact of it is, is how you overcame that obstacle and made it work for you. So now you're graduating from college. You got married. You've got a, you've got a child. What propelled you into education? When I went to college, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to write and travel the world. But in my senior year, being a a single mom, I decided to work part-time while I was still going to school full-time. And I worked at a school, and I fell in love with the school environment and working with young people and children. It was an elementary school. So then when I continued to work on my master's degree, I went immediately to get my master's degree in education with an Mm -hmm. emphasis in counseling. 
And then I was told at that particular district they needed you to have teaching experience if you were going to be a counselor. So I, I did get a position called assistant to the principal for student relations at a mm-hmm. high school. And mm-hmm. that's when I, I feel like I really was clicking. I was young. I was working <laughs> with, with high school students and, uh-huh. and just inspiring them. And then I did get my teacher credential, and then I taught for a few years before I, I went into administration. So it's been a journey, and it's, I've always done whatever they said was necessary. Got the counselor credential. They said I need the teacher credential. Just stayed in school, got the teaching credential, and got the admin credential. And then that began the foundational journey. But then as an administrator, being a principal was is probably one of the best experiences a person could have in on the journey. Now, when we go back, how many? When we look at the total of this, how many years did you spend in school? And were did you do? Did you do this consecutively? Are you worked and went to school while you were doing the? Undergraduate degree and my master's degree, and I ended up getting two of them, was consecutively, and I completed those by age of 24. I didn't wow. go back until, and, and, and then I worked and worked, and then I went back to get additional uh, credentials, and then my doctorate, I didn't get it for another decade. But that's okay. You yes. were on a journey. And yes. uh, the thing is that I admire you, that no matter what the obstacles that you had, you kept to a course. And that's so important. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and we're going to continue this journey of what happens next with this young woman on fire. I can just tell it's so exciting with a career in education. So listeners, we'll be right back when we take a quick commercial break. So thank you. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young and my discussion with Dr. Judy D. White, Superintendent of the Moreno Valley Unified School District in Moreno Valley, California. And we're talking about a woman's journey and how it led to excellence on purpose. So, Dr. White, as we uh, went on break, you were talking about going to school and completing your undergraduate, your master's, which were two of them, by age 24. And wow, what a woman on fire and a woman on purpose. But now we're going to go into the second portion and tell us a little bit then what happens next for you on your journey to excellence on purpose. Yes, uh, I want to pick up from after being a principal and going to the central office because that's a major step that people in the field of education make when they decide I want to have a greater influence over a district. Mm -hmm. I originally went to the central office as a principal on assignment, and I was giving many departments to oversee and also to transition to uh, class size reduction. That was going on at the time. 
But mm-hmm. one thing I learned is that in order to accomplish something, you ha- it takes great sacrifice. And one of those things is your time. When I began to work on my oh, doctorate, yeah. I knew that I had to give something up. And what I gave up was television. I said, I won't t- watch television. And you'd be surprised how much time you can capture by not even just sitting there with the television in the background. And That's I right. decided, yeah, and I decided not to have telephone conversations unless it was informational only. You talk to somebody, give them information, but no long drawn out conversations on the phone. And, well, you know that's yes. a that's a good point that you're making, and uh, I'm saddening listeners to listen up on that one because it's about time. People always say, "I don't have enough time." There isn't enough time. I said, "You do have the time. Time does not control you. You control time." And yes. so you just gave a very classic example example of time not controlling you because we have to give up, and that's some of the things I had to do when I was pursuing my doctorate. I mean, I gave up friends, lunches. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, to write that dissertation, I took me eight, I did it in eight months, but it was giving up. And, you know, and actually what I find sometimes, I think that's one of the greatest forces we have to face is all of these things outside external uh, things that impact upon us to draw us away from our purpose, draw us away from accomplishing accomplishing our goals. So anyway, continue. Here you are. You're giving up television. You're giving up telephone conversations. You finish your doctorate. Then what? Okay, so then I, I end up being the deputy superintendent of San Bernardino City Unified School District. And I'm looking at the many challenges that the community faces and then saying, what can we do? And I believe one of my greatest contributions was the City of Readers. That's a program that I started. Because Mm. when I looked at the uh, dropout rates, the graduation rates, all the data points that we looked, reading was significant. Mm -hmm. So we started a program called City of Readers. And my goal was to get a million books into the hands of students uh, during this time that we were working and mm-hmm. we were able to achieve that. We got donations from so many companies. We had fundraisers. And we had events annually to, in order to distribute the books. And one of those was the third grade. We had asked all the third graders in the school district to come to the mall and that we would have them reading to the community to show that they could read at third grade. And we would give them books. And people love to contribute when you did it that way. Oh, that and, is wonderful. Yeah. Now, so, what happened to that program? Is it still in effect? Or? I I'm not sure. I know it it continued at least three years after I left, but I'm not sure if if it's uh, still going on. Mm -hmm. But one of the things is from that experience, I brought forward to Moreno Valley some of the activities such as that, but we call it Moreno Valley Reads here in uh, Moreno Valley. And so we do go to the mall uh, once a year around Dr. Seuss's birthday and distribute Mm -hmm. books and celebrate students reading at the third grade. That's one thing that, that we're doing. That's wonderful. One of the things, you know, as a, as a person in higher education or from higher education, which I'm still in higher education, uh, working with students, trying to get more students into colleges and universities, is that the statistics show that if the students are able to read by third grade, their chances of being successful in high school and college are greater than those students who do not learn to read by third grade. So that is a wonderful, wonderful program. I hope things continue with that city of readers, and I like the the Merino Valley reads. That's wonderful. So, so one of the things that, uh, as we we're talking about leadership, and when we look at leadership today, what do you feel are some of the essential leadership skills that you think are important in today's climate and environment, and particularly in education? One of the things that I think is really important is valuing people. As a leader, you mm-hmm. have to value people from where they are. Whether they're a student, a teacher, a coworker, a board member, mm-hmm. build on their strengths. Uh, I believe that a basic leadership skill also includes knowledge. You have to be an expert about something. You need to ha- uh, have this competence because people, mm-hmm. they can be inspired by, by you, but if you don't have the competence and the knowledge to do what you're inspiring them to do, then that makes it very difficult. I believe in celebrating small successes. We have a mm-hmm. vision for graduation rates. That's something that we had. But every year we celebrate the growth that we're taking, mm-hmm. even though we're on our way to 100% graduation rate, you have to celebrate every 5% that you're gaining. I feel that a strong leader has to have the ability to change because things change. And are you able to be flexible and listen and mm-hmm. learn and apply new knowledge? And I think the fifth thing would be integrity. 
People Absolutely. see so much about the lack of integrity that they are looking for leaders who have integrity. Absolutely. I, I, those, are, those are great skills. One of the things that um, I also wanted to ask you, because when we talk about women and leadership, and, and when we look at education, do you feel there's been a shift from men uh, in leadership positions to women in leadership positions in K-12? I do believe that's the case. If you, if you look at our data across mm-hmm. the state, you do mm-hmm. have more women in principalship positions. You have more women as leaders. But when you look at the superintendents, it's, the higher you go, then there's, a, there's still a discrepancy by gender. And then even if you were to look at the principalships at elementary, middle, and compared to high school, you still have more men that are uh, principals at the high school level. Uh, but I think that there's more respect today than there were years ago, but we're, there's still a gap. What do you think that we need to do to encourage more uh, women in education, particularly K-12, through to aspire to become superintendents? I think that they need to know themselves. They need to know who they are. That's and they great. need to seek the positions that they can be successful at. And if they are married, they really have to make sure that their spouses is supportive of them. Because mm-hmm. even though it's 2015, I, I'm still working with principals who have to be a principal all day, go home and cook and clean and raise the kids, and they're still not the 50-50 sharing in the home. So, uh, And then I, I work with uh, some women in leadership who feel guilty about the time away from their family. So you have to be ready for the leadership position and you do have to have the support of your family. Well, you know, one of the things that we I get asked all the time, and I'm sure you do too, by young women about can you have it all? Can you have the career, the family, you know, the children? How do you find balance? How did you find balance with your family and going to school and navigating this whole process of being a leader? One of the things I love about your show is that we can mention the word God. Yes, God it, has to be first. Yes. You have to have that faith because he's able to give you energy, he gives mm-hmm. you wisdom, and he can direct your path. But you also have to make sure you marry the right spouse. Someone who hey, can value you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got to marry the right spouse so they can value you and understand that you're part of this calling. You're part of a ministry to serve in the educational arena and not be jealous and say what they can do. So, And then you have to be super organized. Great leaders are organized, but balanced leaders are organized in every aspect of their life, their church, their home, and their school or work environment. And being organized means you have to maintain calendars. You have to even, I have to uh, write down the dates. When I'm going on a date with my husband, we're going on a date, we're going to see this movie. I don't leave it a chance. (laughs) I'm going to put it on the calendar so that we can make it happen. And you, when the children were little, I had I labeled their clothes Monday through Friday. Everybody knew what they were going to wear the whole week. And I had four children, and they and you reinforcing reading. At the same time, you're helping them to become organized. But that's um, great. You, that's, and that's don't great. be afraid to ask for help. That's how you okay. stay balanced. Oh, you know what? I really, really love that. I'm so that resonates with me because I had uh, another young woman who <clears throat> I had the gracious, well, it was really uh, fortunate that we met. But one of the things she talked about, and I did have her on the show, and she talked about one of the things about women, and she's talking about women entrepreneurs, but some of the same skill sets, of course, are needed in terms of being an entrepreneur. But she talked about women being afraid afraid to ask for what they want. And I'm so glad that you brought that point out. So ladies out there listening all over the globe, you need to start to ask what you want. And the and I think another point you made, which is so important, is you really, really need to know who you are. Yeah. And you need to know what you really, really want. Because I always say, ask that question, what do you really, 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 really want? Because if you really want something, you'll go after it. You and will. You, will do, you will pay the price that it takes because it takes a lot of work. It takes sacrifice, as Dr. White has talked about. Giving up, giving up of time the television and I and I know it can take up a lot of time. I don't even watch it because you know it. I, there's so many things I have on my plate I can't afford. <laughs> but I am yeah. going to look at Dancing at the Stars tonight. I'm so <laughs> and I and I watch The Voice. I'm not going to lie. I watch TV. But when you're going through uh, but, a time yes. where you're 
preparing something or you're working on your dissertation, you have to plan it. You can't just idly watch it. You have to, if there's a show you want, tape it and wait and say, I'm only going to do it for this amount of time and then stick to it. And I agree. The other, one of the other points, too, that uh, I really liked what you said, and that is you have to be competent in what you do. And so there are a lot of a lot of us, not well, I won't say that, but a lot of women and men want to be at certain levels, but they don't want to pay that price to be competent, to be excellent in your craft, to yeah. know what, what you do uh, and pursue excellence. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back to conclude our conversation about the road, how it leads to excellence and purpose. Thank you very much. So we'll be right back with Dr. Judy White, my guest for today. So stay tuned in. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. Uh, We are talking about our discussion with Dr. Judy White, my guest for today. And we are talking about a number of things. But first of all, her journey of transformation and what led her to pursue excellence on purpose. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about because everything you're talking about too is how God played such a role in your life and how God can play such a role in all of our lives if we will allow him to, because he doesn't force himself on us. But as you said, he gives us the energy. He gives us the wisdom to know how to do the job. And that is wonderful. So Dr. White, how, what do you think in terms of how much of your life was transformed? Because from everything that I've known about you and read about you, you started from the bottom and moved up and worked your way up the educational career ladder. So what was it that really inspired you to keep moving? Because some people just, you know, if they're a teacher or maybe they become a vice principal and they just stay there or a counselor. So what inspired you? I think what has really inspired me was the desire that's within to make a difference to a larger audience. As a teacher, you can influence your class, but then as a principal, you can influence an entire school. And then I've always been focused on being a problem solver, and when I would see things that say, oh, this can be done differently, then I knew it wasn't my role yet. And so if you want to impact that change, you have to change your role. And so going to the uh, district office gave me a greater influence of trying to help as many students as I can. As a superintendent, you are impacting a community, the entire district and a community. So the inspiration comes from God, and it's not for the weary. This is real work, and every time I've had success, it has increased hope for the journey. And so that's what has been my inspiration, the Lord, and knowing that I'm working in my calling. And that is wonderful. You know, 
when you're working and you're calling and you know that you're energized because you have that energy to do it. You know, I, I want to ask a question that, you know, sometimes I don't ask people this, but how do you think, how do you perceive that people perceive you? How would they describe you? They're, they say that there's a private self and then there's a public self. But mm-hmm. when I'm in a, an audience and I'm being introduced, I, if I'm in a church environment, they call me a woman of God. Mm-hmm. If I'm in my educational environment, they mm-hmm. have coined that, that uh, phrase, excellence on purpose, a woman who believes in excellence on purpose or a woman who strives after success for each and every student. So I believe that they see, see me as um, genuine mm-hmm. and passionate about the work, but mm-hmm. not giving up a person that perseveres. Well, and, and this leads to another question because I know that as a woman and being successful as you have been, what, how do you deal with people, particularly other women, who had all this jealousy and animosity about you? How did you deal with that? Or did you have to deal with that? <laughs> that is something I haven't had to deal with. If they felt it, it hasn't been shown. Uh, and I, maybe because I'm not looking for it, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I see people sometimes in need. There might be someone that makes a comment, and you might feel that it is uh, comes from a seat of jealousy. But then I feel an obligation to help that person to feel comfortable and engage them because I'm not the showy type of person that look at me because uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want my uh, honor to come from the Lord. So I'm you'll see me in a, an open mm-hmm. setting, but I'm I will speak what I feel is necessary, but I will do the work, and I believe in empowering others. And I believe that's what has helped me not to be in a, a viewpoint where people might be jealous. Now, mm-hmm. I have had jealousy, not from women, but I think from other people in positions who don't want uh, me or our district to get credit about something. So I've seen that type of competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's unusual mm-hmm. because, um, and, and I, I find it unusual because, um, being successful as you have been, and then, you know, with your journey, I tell you, that that's an incredible and remarkable um, experience that you have not had to share, because we have talked about this on many shows with women, and I know a lot of women listen to the shows as well as men, but we have talked about how women, we don't support one another, and how there are so many women who are operating in silos, their own silos. Uh, how do you find yourself interacting with other uh, females in that might be district superintendents? I know there might be few of them, but how do you find yourself interacting with them, or is there some interaction with other superintendents on your level around the state? Yes, that uh, might be I would. Female? Yeah, I appreciate that question. I was uh, elected as the California Association of African American Superintendents mm-hmm. and Administrators, the president of that organization. And that was something that I didn't seek. Somebody said, oh, we want you to come and lead us as a, as a president. And I accepted, and it's been a, a wonderful journey. When I'm interacting with people, again, like I said, I, I try to make people feel valued. And I don't admit, be jealous of me. Cause see, so that, I think that as women, if you look at the sociology back in the fairy tale books, there was always this competition. And so, but it's a two-way competition. So if I'm not trying to evoke and invite you to compete with me, then it kind of let people be at ease. So I just, I relate to it where I talk to people and I try to help people feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm just comfortable with who I am. And I think I try to include people and not try to say, look, I'm doing so much more. But I have been blessed and a lot of things have happened positively but I just haven't experienced it the same way as some of my colleagues have. What is the most challenging experience that you have had uh, as it relates to trying to move a district, uh, coming in and trying to move it into that level of performance that it is today? What has been the most challenging, and how did you turn it around? Initially, I think it was the belief system. People Mm -hmm. had to believe that it can be done, that our children are talented, and so working with expectations was the biggest challenge. And so as we began to experience success, we had to market it. So then people would say, what? Our children did that? And then they began to believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's been one of the greatest challenges. 
Okay. What do you think are the challenges that are facing uh, your district today? Because uh, I tell you, um, I, I am just admiring you and all that you do in this district because I know Moreno Valley is that little pocket area where a lot of people, and particularly the parents, are commuting out of Moreno Valley because there's not a lot of businesses uh, there to support you know, that community with work. So what do you think are some of the challenges that are facing uh, your district and the city itself? Mm-hmm. I think that we do not have a, the collaborative relationship with our city that a school district needs to have in order to flourish. You mm-hmm. can exist, but we're talking about flourishing. Right. So that's something that we're working on because once the school district and the city see the benefits of collaboration, we can move a little bit further. Uh, the marketing is a challenge because I don't care how long I've been here, I still hear people say negative things about Moreno Valley. Mm-hmm. And so many times I find myself asking people, can you just go 30 days without saying something ne- negative about the city or the school district? And it, it gets their attention because they're not realizing how many negative comments they might make. We are turning the corner, and mm-hmm. I think the more publicity we get, about what's working well, we will mm-hmm. do better. But I really believe that in order to get it to the next level, we will probably have to have a strategic plan with the city and the city council and the mayor, along with the school district officials and the community college. Do you see that happening in 2016? we got a new year coming. Do you see something on the horizon that may spark that? There's going to be an election in 2016. Mm-hmm. And my prayers are that whoever's elected has the vision of unity and building peace, collaboration for the success of all, and not pockets of people, but the success of all. And that's and that is so important. Um, well, but I'm going to have you just highlight some of your successes in the district and what you've done, um, and and transforming the culture of that district. It does take strategic planning in order to transition and transform a district. And I'm going Mm -hmm. to list a couple of things that I think have really, really helped. When Mm -hmm. I came in, I wanted each school to be adopted by a business, uh, at least one business. And so today I'm celebrating that each school has been adopted by at least four different businesses. Wonderful. Yeah. And my other goal was to uh, get some money to help with professional development. And so we Mm -hmm. received uh, innovation grants that were funded by the federal uh, government, and so we have over four, we have four innovation grants, and we're the only school district in the whole United States that actually has four. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, we celebrate that. Graduation rates was a charge that the board had given me, and so when we arrived, our graduation rates were in the 60s. That was horrendous, and now they're 82.8, which is a 17% growth and graduation rates, the highest in the whole county, our graduation rates now are higher than the state and the national average. And it's for all groups, not just one group, but for all of our groups. And so we're, we're celebrating that. We brought in STEM programs. Last year, mm-hmm. Our, mm-hmm. our high school students earned $15 million in scholarships to go to college. And uh, we wonderful. started a... Yeah, and we've also started a internship program during the summer where over 135 students have summer jobs that they get paid for, but they learn different types of occupations and professions during the summer. I have a list of 20, but I gave you five. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for giving me those five because I just had to celebrate Moreno Valley Unified School District since... Uh, Dr. Barbara Young has this Teen Leadership Empowerment Academy with Vista DeLargo, one of your schools in Reno Valley District and working with uh, young women, uh, ninth and 10th graders. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be able to do something to help this district uh, because I really know that it's on the move under your leadership. And I was praying, please, God, don't let her leave. (laughs) No, I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> Don't let her leave, uh, because we're looking forward to doing more work with the teen girls and boys with that one school, and hopefully we're going to move to other schools in the district to be able to move the agenda to help these young teen girls in that area. So that's great. I mean, you know, one of the things that, uh, oh, I know one of the questions I want to ask you, too, was 
Uh, when we look at the ratio of students, what is your ethnic uh, population? Now, I know it, but I want you to share with the listeners yes. the breakdown of what you, in the school, in the district. We're a your very percentage. diverse district. We have mm-hmm. 65% Hispanic. We mm-hmm. have uh, 18% African-American. Mm-hmm. And we have about 9% uh, white. And then our other, the rest are of every race. But our third language is um, Arabic. Okay. So English and then Spanish and Arabic. So we are a very diverse uh, school district. Yes, you are. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are. Uh, And what's the population of Moreno Valley now? The population of the the city. The city, I think we're about 200,000. Because last time I looked, it was, Mm -hmm. and I did check it out to check out the stats mm-hmm. uh, of the city because it's, it's uh, and to me, it's a beautiful area. It really is. I took a drive through the area to just look at where some of the students live uh, yes. in close proximity to Vista DeLarga High School. Oh, yes. At, and there's some very nice homes in there. So, I mean, it's not like we're looking at, uh, you know, these rundown, you know, dilapidated houses, but really no. nice, nice Beautiful structures. homes in Marino Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we want to put Moreno, Moreno Valley on the map. We don't hear a lot about Moreno Valley, but I wanted to uh, highlight you and the things that you have done, Dr. White, really. And when I met you, I could just know that here was truly an inspirational leader. Now, would you, how would you categorize yourself as a transformational leader or transactional? <laughs> transformational. Absolutely. Definitely transformational. And you know what, Dr. I want to take this moment to also thank you. Because it's people like you that's helping us to make the difference at the one-on-one level. When you've given up your time to take students on the weekends and to teach them about becoming uh, youth leaders and to help them to see a brighter future, you did, you're doing for them what Dick Gregory did for me. And so I appreciate you. Well, I thank you for the opportunity, and it has been a wonderful experience. And so for those of you out there who may be in the L.A. area or even Moreno Valley or Riverside, San Bernardino, we need your help because this truly is, to me, our legacy to really reach out to these young people. And just as uh, Dr. White was a teen, not a teen mom, but she went to college, she got pregnant. I went to college, got pregnant. But there was somebody who encouraged me that I could become better and not bitter. And so I'm encouraging these girls. No, I don't want them to get pregnant. We want them to step into their destinies, to seek a better future. And more importantly, that they are empowered, become leaders to come back. And I really want to impose on them that they come back and give to that community. And so that's really what has got me so impassioned. And I have to tell you, Dr. White, this was a commission from God. I tell you, I wasn't exactly sure I wanted to do this. (laughs) But I got the message from on high, okay? And he opened the doors and thankfully... Uh, the opportunity with you as the superintendent. So we're going to make a lot of headways, and we are moving to get something for the boys. So we have a boys program. We will be working with these young men as well. So I want to ask, too, before we leave, um, what is the key to your happiness, or what's your greatest joy in life right now? Uh, My greatest joy is having a personal relationship with God and Mm -hmm. then seeing Him use me in a Mm -hmm. way that's going to position students to reach their destiny. And, of course, I get my grandma fixed every weekend. I have eight grandchildren, and they bring me joy as well. (laughs) Oh, that is wonderful. Oh, my goodness. And so what transformational legacy would you like to leave? The phrase that I tend to use, be a history maker and a stereotype breaker. I want people to remember that because it's saying that they have to, they can be that. They can break history. They can make it, and they can uh, break the stereotypes and to put God first. And I want people to say, you know what? She put God first, and she served humanity. I love that. And, you know, can we get something that says that in a slogan, history maker and a stereotype breaker? I'd like to use that as a slogan for the the girls, the young teen, young ladies. I don't like to call them girls, young ladies. And to have that, this is from your principal, and to have that, be our, our sort of our mantra, so to speak. Yes. Be a history maker and a stereotype breaker. I'll get something oh. for them, and I'm going to brand it and make it sure I give it to you. Oh, that is so wonderful because now, and as we close the show, Dr. White, I want to ask, in your own words, 
What is the one life lesson that you remember you can share with our listeners as you look back on your life? I know that I only have a, a couple of minutes, but I'll tell you, there was a time that I was in a hostage situation, mm-hmm. and the negotiator got on the phone and asked to speak to me, and the gunman handed me the phone. What? The neg- yes. And the, you were a the, hostage? I was a hostage. You, you asked me to talk about the one life lesson, but I was a hostage at one point in my life. I was uh, in my late 20s, and someone had broken into my home and held me captive for 14 hours at gunpoint with a double-barreled, sawed-off shotgun. But in the middle of that night, the negotiator had called to the home and asked to speak to me. And I remember the gunman said, he wants to speak to you. And I, I said, I've never seen a movie like that where they were asking <laughs> to speak to the, to the hostage. But what he said to me is, Mrs. White, because I was a doctor then, things like this just never work out. We cannot give him his demands. And I remember sitting there like, so you're the negotiator, you're the expert, and you're telling me the victim in here with this gun that it never works out and that uh, there's nothing you can do. That's what he said. But I began to pray even more, and I, I remember the scripture that says, pray for your enemies, pray for those who despitefully use you. And once I took my prayer from myself and began to pray for him, then I saw the atmosphere change. So that is something that uh, has happened in my life, and I think it has had the greatest impact on everything that I've done because I will not ever let someone else call the end of my journey. I will seek God and allow him to, to work it out. And you got out of that hostage situation. I sure did. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? We'll have to have part two. We'll have to have part two because it's a long story. (laughs) We'll have to have part two to talk about that. But, but, you know, I I really can't thank you enough. And I know we've only touched just from that, just a part of your journey of transformation for success. But I am sure the listeners have really benefited from hearing you share from your heart today. And I want to thank you, Dr. White, again, for being such an inspiration to so many women out there. You know, a woman of passion, a woman who's godly, a woman who's purpose and committed and who's doing such important work for students, your colleagues and the community at large. And I just want to ask God to just bless your continued endeavors that you're going to be around for a long, long time. And thank you again for being on the show, sharing your amazing journey. Thank you. So listeners, I want to close with this little nugget. Quality is never an accident. It's always the result of high intention sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skilled execution. It represents the wise choice of many alternatives, as you've heard Dr. White describe today. And that was a quote from Willa Foster, another educator. So this is your success coach, Dr. Barbara Young, signing off now until next Tuesday. And I leave you with this, be challenged, be encouraged, and be forever transformed. God bless you. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.